Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Rugby Series on the Women Who Sport podcast. We are super excited about this episode because for the first time we are talking to one of our teammates on the Scotland team, Emma Wasso. Emma has 47 consecutive caps for Scotland, 45 starts, she's a chartered accountant, um, she's a like seriously cool person and we're so excited that we get to have her on and share her story. This podcast is supported by two incredible brands who do so much to support women's sport and to grow the game of rugby. They are Boob Armour and Regardless. Boob Armour make chest guards that go inside your sports bra. They're super thin and lightweight. You really wouldn't even know that they're there. They limit movement during activity. They protect your breast during high impact sport. They're an absolute game changer and you can get them on their website and get a discount with the code Women Who Sport. We're so passionate about Boob Armour. We've spoken about them for several seasons now on the podcast and they're well worth checking out. Our other partner for this series, regardless, make custom-made mouth guards. They send you a mode that you can mode at home, send back into their labs, and they'll send you a dental fit mouth guard without leaving the house. It's a mouth guard that I've been using all season. I absolutely love it, and I really couldn't recommend it highly enough. Again, you can find links to these guys all over Instagram, and you can get a discount with the code WWS20. We're going to get Sharon Martin on and get into the episode with Waz, but be sure to check these guys out. Growing up, you were a gymnast. You love a handstand pregame. How, like, have you always done gymnastics? Was this something that you thought actually I can go to Olympics at gymnastics, or how did it come about? Absolutely not. I uh, no, I did it as a child, uh, just because. I don't know. I did kind of dance as well. It was just something I kind of fell into and I did enjoy, and then. I got as I got older I got a bit bigger and I just wasn't very good anymore (laughs) mum was like mum always says like you just you just got a bit big for it (laughs) but I um no so I I I was like I was all right I was never I was never Olympic standard and I think with a sport like that if you're it's quite well I found it quite hard to sit in that middle like you're good and I've still gone to competitions all the rest of it but I was never going to go to the Olympics or anything like that so and yeah I didn't enjoy it I like could have told you right then I'll never do a kind of individual sport again and the pressure around it the even like I also really remember like the parents it was so intense and like it just it wasn't enjoyable I actually dreaded going to training um so yeah no it wasn't for me but it definitely in terms of my, I would say kind of physicality, flexibility, everything, it kind of gives you the foundations to good movement, which has helped me in rugby, I'd say. Yeah, I was going to say gymnastics is like a really good base for any kid to do that just transfers to sport. Yeah, 100%. And like with handstands, everyone's like, oh my God, how can you do them? And I'm like, it's genuinely just because I did them as a kid for so long so it just feels very natural to fling myself upside down yeah and 
so yeah I think I, I think every kid should do it not and I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't say they should all go to competitions and all the rest but for flexibility and kind of just fundamental movements I think it's something that should be encouraged yeah so did gymnastics you then started playing rugby like a few years later how did that come about and was rugby something you'd grown up watching or wanted to be a part of or was it quite like a relatively new thing when you did start playing so so new so I did gymnastics and came out of that and at school like in my kind of second third fourth year of academy it I, I was almost like not interested in sport like I obviously enjoyed PE but I didn't do really anything I took part in a bit of netball here and there but I didn't really have a sport and I suppose that's I find it quite funny thinking back to then that now um like a lot of my good friends kind of took PE a lot more seriously than I did but yeah no it was just once in academy we had the rugby coach come into like an assembly and he was with the captain of the kind of women's side at Ellen, who was my best friend's big sister. And they were just trying to get more girls involved. And my best friend was obviously like, oh, should we go along? Um, she was obviously wanting to go just to help her sister. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, it'll be funny. And like, didn't really anything of it. And I always kind of knew, like, my dad played rugby. So it just, that always played a kind of part like oh like I should just give it a go because he loved it so much so yeah I'll just give it a go but didn't think anything of it at all um and yeah we went down I remember mum took me to the first session and was honestly she'll say now that she was like there's not a chance you're going to stick in with this like it was just all a bit of a joke really um but I genuinely like I genuinely remember that first session and just remember thinking like I love this like it was I know that sounds so cliche that you were hooked from the first session obviously hooked from all rugby yeah I was like this is actually my next question what got you hooked into rugby so great minds things like uh but I would genuinely say that because then I can't ever since that first session I can't remember taking a break from it or wanting to stop it and it's kind of been ever since then so that was like fourth year of school I think it was yeah that's so cool and it's so cool that something that's so random like going along to a rugby session is like completely molded I get like I guess your life and who who you are now and what you aim to do but also that like keeping that connection alive with your dad yeah yeah it, it does and it's that'll always be kind of we that's why when everyone says like oh to encourage people to play rugby like what would you say to them I'm like just go along because I genuinely would say from that first session I loved it and I didn't have there wasn't heaps of my friends there was heaps of people I I didn't know they also went to our school but like I loved it straight away and I kind of loved everything it encouraged and something that even then people would have never known about but I always knew my dad played rugby and he played at that club um when he was a wee bit older as well so part of me was like oh it's like I think it's quite nice that I can play something that he loved as well and it was just like a connection that obviously we never could share but it was just it was something nice for me and that I suppose it's just always been a bit of an underlying motivator. Do you think your dad would have like believed it now if he'd known that you got like 47 
Caps for Scotland? No, I think I do. I think about that sometimes. Um, I, as a kid, so pre-gymnastics, as a kid, he always took me to my swimming lessons. And again, I was not a strong swimmer at all, but it was more like, you know, when you just needed to do your swim lessons to get that certificate to say you can swim. Yeah. You can swim 50 meters in a It was like pool. that stage, like proper, just like she can go into water and she can swim. But I remember getting my certificate for that as a kid. Like I vividly remember this and I got that certificate to say you can swim, whatever that was. And, and I remember like him crying and I was thinking like... <laughs> Like, as a kid, like, why are you crying? But you was just so, like, proud I could swim. And it just, that, like, small moment, I just think, like, oh, my God, if you could see me playing rugby, like, he would be so buzzing. Um, but it's nice. Like, I don't, I don't, it's not, it's obviously sad you can't see it, but it's, like, it's a positive thing for me that I can, I can still do that. And I know I've got my auntie, his sister, and a lot of his friends and stuff that kind of can watch me and kind of see how much he would have loved to have been able to see me as well. Yeah. And kind of going back to your first experiences growing up and playing in Aberdeen, what were the opportunities like there as like a youngster female playing rugby? So at Ellen, to be fair, that first year I started, there was like a good group of girls so after that assembly we obviously recruited quite a lot and there was a good few girls coming through and we actually had yeah we managed to like have good training sessions there was enough I can't really remember numbers but enough but as it always happens obviously one year group goes to university and that cuts out like a whole heap of people so unless you've got more people coming through it's I just remember it all of a sudden got very small and then it got to the point where like some training sessions and and I think this is when I knew I was I loved it like it would be any weather and I would be there but <laughs> it would be like three of us <laughs> <laughs> some crappy passing drill we did have players and we did and, and like a lot some to be fair a lot of my friends did play but it was it was very much like yeah this is kind of fun but then it was muddy and then it wasn't very fun anymore so yeah, that went up and down. But luckily, like in Aberdeen, they did like regional events. So there was Northeast stuff, which luckily I got involved with. Um, and that's where you could meet up with some of the other girls from further north. And that was, I suppose, a step up in terms of you were more kind of within the Scotland catchment under 18. And then I suppose it was, I can't even remember how this all happened but then I was going to university and I knew I was going to go to Edinburgh that was influenced a lot by wanting to play better rugby and play like where there was teams and more girls playing but I always kind of knew I would would move away from home um so yeah I moved to Edinburgh and I was at Harriet Watt University which did not have a uni team so it was kind of like finding your senior clubs and I don't know, as someone who was in little town of Ellen, the only team I really knew of was Murrayfield Warriors because they were, at the time, the best. Um, so I got in touch with, I can't even remember who I got in touch with, but anyway, someone ended up picking me up from my halls. It was Sarah Quick, picked me up from my halls and took me to this training session. So I'm like this 17-year-old, I wasn't even 18 yet just played at Ellen with like other school friends got to to Murrayfield Wanderers training and 
oh my god it was terrifying it was the scariest experience my whole life like (laughs) that I can't describe to you I was oh my god I was I was I was terrible I couldn't I couldn't catch I couldn't pass I was so nervous I was just I just I felt like a child I mean I was still young but like the the increase from playing essentially under 18 rugby to your senior rugby was huge and they were training like they had a lot of Scottish internationals then I just remember I mean they weren't shouting at me like being horrible but I was fucking dropping the ball so (laughs) for context I had a similar experience in my first senior (laughs) session with Murrayfield Wonders and the coach described me as a blind man in a dark room (laughs) which (laughs) then I went home and told my mum and she was like oh maybe that means like you could feel your way about I was like no I fucking didn't (laughs) yeah no but like it was a bit of a and genuinely I I now remember going back to my halls and I knew I had training the next week and I remember being like I don't want to go I don't want to go but I knew if I didn't go like like that would be me it was I felt like that was a very make or break moment if I gave up then like rugby was kind of over for me but I was like no just see it out it's going to get better Uh, and I did and it did and like don't get me wrong the players weren't horrible I think they were just frustrated by this youngster coming in and literally fucking up all their drills <laughs> but I learned I did actually learn heaps and I suppose that's what pushed me on hugely and then the coach at the time she was involved with the under 20s set up Scotland and then yeah that's kind of how I got right into the loop of it I suppose that takes us on nicely to your journey with Scotland so you have 47 consecutive caps so this girl has not missed a game not from injury not from anything in 47 games and have you start how many of them have you started 45 so my Holy shit. Them, like, two, like one or two huh all of them but one or two haven't you yeah the first first two I came off the bench and as well like the I feel like I've played with you while your shoulders been like hanging out with soccer. <laughs> like this gonna wound up as a game. <laughs> it's weird. It's I think it's I mean, you would see this for me. Like I just get terrible, terrible FOMO. Like I'm not <laughs> on nothing. So it's got bad if I'm not there. But like I've got to say, my throughout my whole kind of Scottish career. I have been so fortunate with like the coaches and the, I mean, understanding all coaches I've had for my situation and still allowed me to play, um, which I don't think some people would have been as lucky. Um, like I remember we had a game and I was going, I had like the day before the game, I was in classes for my like CA exams. like. I missed captain's run and stuff and you just wouldn't be able to do that now just the way how professional games going but like I didn't have a choice then I had to do that mm. I was missing all these sessions nowadays I you, you wouldn't be allowed to play like it it's just the level we're at but then I was trying to do everything but it's still just mad yeah I was studying one day and then the next day you're in an international it was, it was just different but I have been so lucky and of those 47 caps, like, what are, I don't know, do you have, like, a standout or, like, is can you pinpoint something that you're like, that was really cool? I mean, I know if, if anyone's ever spoken to anyone who played on that day 
we beat Wales. So I played, <laughs> it, was, it was a big day, <laughs> big day. And I honestly don't think anyone will fully understand how that felt and why it was such a big no, uh, Yeah, I think that was players that like, like when they win a game now, I'm like, no, but. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't as how much it was. <laughs> yeah, momentous. I played 20 games prior to that. So I'd played 20 games in a row and lost 20 games in a row. And like, I never really lost the love for the game and I never really, like I still wanted, cause I knew, I felt like I knew we could always do it, but it was tough, really tough. And I think it was, I was still so young as well, but I could see from all the players around me um, who'd been involved a lot longer and didn't have near the support we have now. And like, they just wanted to do the best for Scotland, but like hadn't really been given the best opportunity. I think that win was much for myself, for the team, but like so much more for all the other players that I'd played with previously who had to endure like a long, it was like seven years we went without winning a Six Nations game. It's a terrible stat really, but it wasn't, It again, it's a lot to do with the support and everything that players had. Yeah, like I think it's a reflection of, because I think if anyone who's listening that didn't understand, like I think it's a reflection of, where the women's game was at and that has just come on so much like a lot of us are still working full-time but we're still like getting huge support outside of that whereas before you were working full-time and you didn't have like structured gym programs or any of the things that you need to win physical rugby matches um so yeah I think that that was a, a massive turning point and I guess for you how do you in those 20 caps like that must be mentally challenging like playing week in week out so I guess how did you like not lose faith was it just knowing that there was like better days to come and seeing the improvement yeah and it was like again I was I was so young realistically like I obviously got my first cap at 18 that I am oh you could see that there a lot of the time just things didn't work out but it's still no matter what the score was and I know this is such a Scottish thing to say but like you were still so proud to be able to play for Scotland. And again, some people might, they don't work like that. Do you know what I mean? And I do think I've got a winning mentality. Like everyone wants to win, don't get me wrong, but just kind of that honour to be able to play for Scotland. But yeah, no, that that win will, I don't think. And again, every win since has been unbelievable, but that win will stand out in my mind forever. Completely. And like going on that, we've had conversations like this, like before, even over a drink or whatever, like, yeah, we may have had like our fair share of losses, but like, I wouldn't trade that for anything to play alongside like you girls or like what it means for previous players to have played for Scotland and just like the history behind the shirt. Like, I just wouldn't trade that for a thing like that passion and pride and like closeness we have is like a second family. I know, oh my God, everyone's going to be like, well, we're not. <laughs> like all we talk about is how much we love each other. <laughs> Captains have said before in shirt presentation, like leave, leave the shirt in a better place you found it. And I think that was something that I always found hard to understand. But actually, I think it, like it's not about a game. It's about like a period of time. And I think you've absolutely done that with your second row shirt and it's like yes it's it's so cool to see and we've got so much further to go with it I know that's why it's so exciting like 
people say kind of like think back to other captain arrests but it's just mad to think of like the opportunities that we have ahead of us and like the players coming through and yeah it's uh, yeah, it kind of blows my mind when people are like oh like you're one of the experienced ones and I'm like what I'm still a kid <laughs> I'm not but I uh, I still feel like I'm learning so much we're obviously getting more support and I'm just like the potential is huge so yeah no it's it's exciting and I guess finishing off on your oh finishing off that's not right I guess where we are at now on your rugby journey, you got in a couple of games for Loughborough Lightning at the end of the season, travelling down from Aberdeen, little three-week stint at Rachel Malcolm's. Is moving down to the Prem on the cards? Like, how do you value that? And I guess, how do you make it work when you're living in Aberdeen? As I say, like, in the, I've, when I, after uni, moved back to Aberdeen for to do my job um, and sit my accountancy exams and at the time that was for me I had to get my career rugby was a much less place than it is now and it was just so important for me to sort out my career I am still going um (laughs) but I obviously got a job in Aberdeen and like my family is here a lot of my friends were still here and did I see it's long time I didn't know what I seen it as at the time but I just knew it it was the right thing to do yeah, the, the support was in Aberdeen for kind of my s and all the rest, but the issue in Aberdeen is the player pool. There's there's not a lot of us, so it has meant training by myself a lot. I've been, again, lucky with the coaches. I've always been supported really well. So, yeah, it's been a lot of travelling up and down to Edinburgh, which I've just done for years, and it's just felt quite normal. I went through a wee stint when I tried to play with one of the boys' teams in Aberdeen to just get more rugby. It's, it's just different training with guys <laughs> like it was so good don't get me wrong but you know there's just some elements of the game that I'm like you are just bigger and you're just faster <laughs> yeah yeah but it was it was it was so good for me um in terms of challenging and I think if I could do it more often I would it's kind of a little bit if you don't piss them off too much like it is uh actually really good for development that's so brave though that you even did that like just to show the guys I wasn't I wasn't even driving there so I had to I remember I was getting I I didn't have my driver's license yet so I was getting like two buses to get to um it was Aberdeenshire rugby club and would just rock up myself and it was just it was kind of one it was that whole it was like going into senior rugby again from under 18s but obviously from coaches at Scotland they were pretty much like you need to be playing more rugby like you can't if you want to play for Scotland you need to play more rugby and I with my job I knew I couldn't I couldn't get to Edinburgh during the week because I was was working full time and I was there was no like girls teams which were kind of given the and don't get me wrong I've been to some of the girls and they are actually great and I love what they're doing but like I was never going to get better just by the standard of it so I yeah I took myself along it was again a wee bit scary but it, it did help me and just for anyone listening that's not from Scotland like Aberdeen is far from Edinburgh like that is a like three hour drive each way have I got that right so from Aberdeen it's probably like two and a half but I live like half an hour north of Aberdeen so oh. yeah it's just under but it depends on a good day and when the roads are clear and when there's no speed cameras we can get there quicker gal is remote so then how do you go from traveling 
three hours to get to Edinburgh to traveling eight and a half hours to get to Loughborough yeah so I mean traveling to Edinburgh ended up turning like a a dream really because it was like it is it just became quite normal and actually to play like train alongside the girls kind of once a week at least was so good um but obviously we've had bit of a crap year with um covid so it was one of those moments where you're like i'm not saying no to anything again because i've been locked in my house for this long um so we obviously had all our scotland stuff um and we were in our wee bubbles in edinburgh so i was living there um and the opportunity kind of came that I could go to Loughborough for the end of the season. I was hoping to obviously get there before, but again, bubbles, all the rest of it was too confusing. Um, so I uh, spoke with the coach at Loughborough and he said, why don't you come for the end? And yes, there was absolutely no way I was travelling up and down from Aberdeen. So Rachel Malcolm kindly took me in. And because I'd been working from home, I could just work from her house um, and I lived with them for four weeks and was able to go to Loughborough which was amazing it was so good I that's the first time I have trained out with Scotland camp that's the first time I've been able to train rugby three times a week just because in Aberdeen I mean I say that like I train at least three times a week in Aberdeen but it's a lot of by myself running um obviously doing my weights um sometimes there's like academy boys that are in like young ones that I will do some rugby with but again there's always restrictions on what you can do with them so it's only like passing conditioning games and stuff you can't you can't do full contact or anything like that um so it was so cool to kind of be in that setup where you're training three times a week at a really good standard and and then managed to play the first no their last league game and then got to be part of the semi-final which was really cool um so no everyone was real great and yeah I don't know we'll see we'll see what next year brings I suppose with my job um if I'm still working from home can I still be flexible what is the program with Scotland who knows who knows I kind of take it a day at a time who plans things things in advance not me (laughs) Do you know what? It's probably a really good way to be, especially with the current climate that we're <laughs> operating. I don't with. think anyone else would agree with that. Like, I am the most indecisive, rogue person ever. So, yeah, I'll, I'll see. Next week, I might have a different idea. Who knows? We've touched upon your career quite a bit. What do you think, like, is the importance for, I guess, women, well, women and men to have that dual career approach to things? Like, do you think it's had... Uh, yeah challenges but do you think it's also brought a lot of positives to kind of your life balance if you like sorry just to be really rude and button on that like when we're chatting about Emma's career like she is a fully well almost fully chartered (laughs) accountant like she's been doing our accountancy exams while playing for Scotland I just feel like we need to acknowledge like like, yeah like that's a real adult job do you know what I mean (laughs) Like, I've been trying this Albert M for quite some time now. I do not recommend. Um, no. Um, oh, like, it's the job I kind of always wanted to go into. And I, I am a kind of all, all or nothing. So when I got into the job, I wanted to become chartered because that is kind of the highest point I could go within accountancy. Um, 
at that stage. So yeah, it's, as I said before, the way rugby was and it, it wasn't as professional as it is now. Uh, again, I know it's not fully professional, but you know what I mean? Um, and it was kind of vital that I had some kind of backup um, for a career for me. And yeah, maybe went to one extreme by trying to get all my chartered exams. But like I look at sometimes and you see the kind of issues in the men's game, like they've obviously gone from children essentially into school straight through um, into international rugby and um, fully professional. And don't get me wrong, that looks like the dream. But um, the kind of pressures that go alongside that and the this, again, if they're not selected, like outside of that, I can imagine that is a really kind of stressful situation to be in um, having that stress and, I, and it's not it's not their fault or anything but having that stress that you've got no like what happens outside rugby um, if I had that opportunity to have gone straight into rugby be paid would I have I taken it probably like it so you can't blame them but equally I now I feel like the women's game is almost in reverse so the men will obviously just play rugby right up until they can and then from I don't know 30 plus onwards they maybe will start thinking about getting a degree and all the rest of it whereas I want to get it sorted so I can focus fully on rugby maybe I mean we've had some tough games and tough results and we don't get near the same kind of social media pressures as there is in the men's game don't get me wrong like that comes with what they do but like it's it's brutal and like sometimes with work I can like I remember playing on a Sunday and then going into off some Monday and on the Sunday I think we played Wales and I think we got beaten quite badly on to remember as well um <laughs> like it was a tough game we didn't play well we got a bit of a ball in I was broken a wee bit about rugby uh, I went into work the next day and and this is not, but the way it is, is like some people didn't even know I was playing. So they just crack on and start asking you about work again. And I know it, like it's hard in terms of you're shattered, but actually you completely just had to switch off from rugby. And it was just like, get to work, crack on. And actually having something to completely switch off from rugby because you didn't have a choice, you just had to get back to work, does have its benefits, but equally sometimes you just really wish you didn't have to go to work <laughs> yeah I know exactly what you mean um do you think later down the line you'd quite like to align the two together so be like a chart accountant for rugby like I don't know how that works I don't know I sometimes think about that but I don't know do you know it's like you know oh god I talk about work right now and I'm like it is just doing the two together is tough. I think the level, the thing is, I, again, it's like whatever I do, I, I want to be, I want to be good at it. I want to be the best and I want to be up high and it's just not possible if I want to be, get the best as I can in rugby and become the best player I can. I, like I cannot keep pushing my career at the same time. So yeah. it, when I get, hopefully when I get chartered, I, it's, deciding what you're pushing at what time but having that backup is important that yeah if I need to take a wee break and yeah I can focus fully on rugby but I can go back to that and hopefully get into a kind of stable job straight away after rugby and not have to 
worry about additional qualifications or, or the rest of it. I feel like you've worked so hard and like we've all seen that over the past couple of years, like getting your exams done while working full time and I was going to say playing rugby full time. It feels like that. Um, but I feel like it, like it's going to be so worth it when you come out the other end and you're already sorted, like you can go straight into your career, as you said. So hopefully all this hard work will be so, so worth it. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you for sharing all of that with us. That is so appreciated, Waz. And we're just going to finish off with some quick fire questions. Not a problem. Go. Okay, number one. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Um, Talk to animals all day. Yes, I knew you'd go for that. <laughs> because, like, realistically, <laughs> like, you can just imagine just being able to talk to any animal. Whereas actually how much am I traveling to need to speak all these different languages as much as it would be cool whereas imagine just going for a walk and passing the cows and having a wee yeah so true speak to giraffes <laughs> about all the things she's having oh my god so real nah oh my god that sounds absolutely mental imagine speaking to animals but yeah that one sorry quick fire okay would you rather have invisibility or super strength as your superpower quick fire <laughs> Invisibility? No, I don't know. I think I want a super strength, but realistically, invisibility is the more useful one. Okay, next question. On the toilet, notice the toilet roll is running low. Do you A, refill it, or B, leave the dregs for the next person? I know the answer to this. What do you add? <laughs> you, I leave it. Like, what? <laughs> No, that's terrible. I don't think that should define me as a person. That's not because I'm a, a bad guy. It's because... Gal's got... She's got a busy life, like, things it's, to do. People it to says speak. a lot. That's all, that's all we'll see. Full no, take over here. She's like, she's got I'm missing out on something. The toilet roll can wait. <laughs> no, that's a lie. It depends, it depends whose house it is. If it's Rachel Malcolm's, I'll change it. <laughs> Before Justo gets on you. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way you're listening. Um, right, question four. I always feel like this question is so anticlimactic. Yeah. <laughs> we should really change it, but we're too far in. What is your favourite day of the week? So I, you, you like realistically, the answer to that should be Saturday because why wouldn't it be Saturday? That's everyone's day off. But I think being in work, a Friday evening, like that feeling that Friday feeling like I get that strong um so it, it, but you, that feeling you can't get on a Saturday it's different but normally Saturday's nice but the Friday feeling I'm gonna go for that yeah strong I like that okay final one star sign Capricorn Capricorn December baby yes and this is when you used to tell me that you don't actually know anyone else's star sign you just ask people and expect mm. to know what that means my that brother's capricorn true. alex is um, what i i do sometimes look at, i don't look at my horoscope but i'm gonna look what what are what are what are capricorns capricorns <laughs> for you to find out tell us on our podcast because we don't know you know as well when we get guests on we can actually just google their birthday find their star sign and then we we would know something about them prep work but instead we always have this like little 
awkward awkward end of like oh we don't know okay. about your star sign bye the typical capricorn personality traits are ambitious <laughs> red workaholic oh what am i like um um <laughs> persistent realistic sensitive practical disciplined <laughs> always late i am so disciplined <laughs> um when it comes to training but yeah um persistent i'm pretty relentless no yeah yeah uh there's some some traits there i do like it normally just the funny memes on instagram phone i'm like yeah that's me (laughs) (laughs) the mantra in particular really really i'm like oh my god they are just reading into me right now (laughs) oh so fun thank you pal we really appreciate it no don't be silly thank you very much for Speaking to me, it's been lovely. Because we are doctors, lawyers, mothers, footballers, first minister, port laureate, we're on the move, and I'm telling you, the glass ceiling's going, we're coming through. Rise up, eyes up, take the stage, play your game, don't be afraid. You're a work of art, or Jones of art, always be proud.